Hello there, Bob Chrysler. And hello to you, uh, Devin Wilkins. And a very good afternoon we've got here. A lot of good stuff today. Yes, hello everyone out there and welcome to Insight Peterborough, which is a project of the Peterborough chapter of the Canadian Council of the Blind. And if you want information about CCB, all you have to do is send an email to ccbpeterborough at gmail.com. And uh, you'll probably hear a little bit more about that uh, later in the program because we're going to be interviewing the president of our chapter, or chair of our chapter, sorry, that's the uh, right title, the chair of our chapter, Leslie Yee. Uh, but first, we're going to be talking about the war amps. Uh, Remembrance Day is next uh, Monday, a week from today, and... Uh, never forget. No, yeah, never again either, gee whiz. Um, so when we think of um, Remembrance Day, one of the things that often pops into our mind is about war amps, and they do wonderful things uh, still even though the war is uh, long over. And so we're going to be talking to two people who actually grew up in this area, uh, but they work for war amps in Ottawa. So while we, while we get that set up, um, what we'll do is uh, there are two artists, uh, Bob, that I can think of. One is Little Richard, yeah. and the other one is Ella Fitzgerald. And, and Little Richard, I don't know when he lost his leg, but um, even when he was a performer, he uh, was a, an amputee. And then Ella Fitzgerald, later on in her life, she developed diabetes and ended up losing both of her lower legs to... Um, as a complication of diabetes. So I think we have, what, good golly, Miss Molly? You have that? Uh, by Little Richard. We and then that. we have A Tisket, A Tasket by Ella Fitzgerald from 1938. So... Shall we listen we'll to put, Little Richard? Yeah, we'll put those uh, two on. And, uh, and then um, hopefully by that time we'll have our two guests on the phone. So here's Little Richard with Good Golly, Miss Molly.
So that was Ella Fitzgerald with A Tisket, A Tasket. And before that, we heard Little Richard with Good Golly, Miss Molly. So as I was mentioning, next Monday, of course, is Remembrance Day. And uh, one of the things that we think about, or is, uh, that I think about anyway, and I hope you do too, is uh, the War Amps organization. And we were really lucky because we had the opportunity to find two employees of War Amps in Ottawa, one uh, who grew up here in Norwood and the other who grew up in uh, Peterborough. And Jamie Lund grew up in uh, Norwood. Hi there, Jamie. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. And Rachel Quilty, who is... uh, uh, a native of uh, Peterborough. Hi, Rachel. Hello. Thank you for having me. So glad you were able to join us. So we're happy to be here. Yeah. Well, it's it's important not to uh, forget. Um, can you tell us? Can one of you tell us how um, War Amps and when War Amps uh, came into existence? Sure. Um, so. The War Amps started actually after the First World War 
When a lot of war amputee veterans uh, lost limbs um, and they were coming back to Canada, and you know, at that time, amputation wasn't really as well understood uh, or, or even uh, as well known as, as it is now. And so they really banded together and started the War Amps uh, immediately after the First World War. And we're actually going on our 101st anniversary this year. So wow. the War Amps has been around for over 100 years. Yes, it's wonderful. Congratulations. That's great. Thank you. I'll bet you a lot of people back then kind of faced uh, a lot of discrimination and um, a lot of education that needed to be done about uh, people who were amputees, right? Definitely, yes. I think that it was uh, it was definitely something um, that, that wasn't really understood. You know, a lot of amputees were may have been uh, thought to not be able to uh, to really work in a lot of uh, situations or, or to, to, you know, be uh, in the same workforce as, as a lot of uh, fully able-bodied people. And, and so, you know, that was actually part of the reason why, uh, you know, the War Amps started uh, and, and the War Amps started the Keytech service uh, and to have uh, employment for uh, these servicemen who wanted to continue giving back to Canada. And they did that after the Second World War. Right. Um, we can we can talk about that in a minute, but just to to um, go back to uh, uh, yourselves, um, uh, you have both um, been amputees for most of your lives, right? Yes, I um, I was born. Jamie and myself both were born missing um, our limbs below the elbow, so I'm missing my limb just below my elbow on my left side. And Jamie has a similar amputation; she's missing her limb on her right side. We were both born this way, um, and to this day, they don't really know a reason why. So Jamie and I have lived our entire lives as amputees. And have you found that that you faced? Um I don't know if you want to call it discrimination or, or a lack of knowledge mm-hmm. about amputees. Uh, definitely a, a lack of knowledge that um, amputees experience at different levels across the country. Um, and even depending on what school or city you attend, you go to. And so growing up, I haven't, I haven't had too many issues with, with discrimination or bullying. People were very open to learning, um, but it was through educating them that, that that was able to happen. As people, if they're uneducated, it's just difficult to understand because the amputee world um, is huge. There's a lot of knowledge that needs to be learned and understood for, for people to to understand why uh, we are the way we are, or why we have to do things a little bit differently, or why our bodies might be sore when it's raining out, and things like that. Right. Uh, about amputation, just like uh, blindness in my case, or uh, 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 kind of a, a bummed ankle in uh, Bob's case, that doesn't affect the rest of the uh, uh, person, does it, as far as... Um, intellect and that sort of, and intelligence and that sort of thing goes. Definitely not. And, you know, I think that uh, the War Amps really shows that through many of our programs that we have for amputees across Canada. Um, you know, we really uh, do encourage amputees to really to, uh, to develop, develop a positive approach to their amputations uh, and to look forward to um, all of the things that they can do, maybe just a little bit differently, but um, but the fact that we can live full, active, healthy lives uh, just just 
slightly differently. So was the key tag program the the first program that the war amps uh, developed after the war? They also, yes, that's very true, and they also uh, helped to uh, fight for uh, compensation as well for after losing their limbs during war as well. Mm -hmm. So um, historically, uh, the war amps has always fought for the rights of um, veterans and the rights of amputees, uh, and they've done that um, since the very, very beginning. But uh, but one of their very first major accomplishments definitely um, was the War Amps Key Tag Service. And, uh, and it continues to employ uh, Canadians with disabilities and, and Canadians with amputations today. And, and that is something that is so incredible about this Key Tag Service is that these servicemen, they really wanted to continue giving back to Canada. You know, they had, they had gone overseas they knew that they might lose their lives while fighting for their country. Um, they lost their limbs while fighting for their country. They returned home um, not really sure what their lives would look like going forward. And, and they really, really wanted to be able to continue working and to continue serving Canadians. And so they did that through the War Amps Key Tag Service. And it has proven to be a, a wonderful service for people who have lost their keys and uh, uh, anyone who finds them, they don't have to know the person that lost them. They just pop them into a, a mailbox, right, if they have this tag on? Yep, that's correct. So I know um, I've lost my mother's keys before in the winter. Uh -oh. I dropped them out of my pocket. And keys nowadays, especially for a car, are very expensive to replace. Yeah. And my mom told me that I was looking at about $500 to replace my car keys. Um, for, well, I guess, her car keys, and I spent 15 minutes um, looking in the snow, and I went into every store on the street to ask if anyone had seen them. I lost them downtown Peterborough, um, and I was kind of planning how I was going to save up enough money to return the keys for my mom, and then the snow melted, and I got a package in the mail, and it was my mom's keys who had been returned by the war amps, um, and so that for example, saved me $500, and it was all because someone either picked up the key, dropped them in the mailbox, or you can also call the number on the back of the keys. There's a 1-800 number there, and they'll, whoever you call, will direct you to how to get them back to the person, so putting them into a mailbox or um, having a courier deliver them back to the person. Now, one of the questions that I've always wanted to ask, and this is an excellent opportunity, of course, I don't have car keys, so, but I do have keys, which are very important to me. Can I get one of those tags as well? Of course. They're available to anyone who thinks that, who thinks that they can use them. You know, we hear all the time that people put them on to a lot of different types of things that they don't want to use or lose, sorry, um, like like car keys or like house keys, um, you know, boat keys in some um, situations, USB devices, um, oh. you know, anything that uh, you really don't want to lose. Um, you know, the Warrants has returned many, many things over the years, and, and we are, uh, we're so happy that we're able to help so many people. Wonderful. And uh, so how does one go about uh, uh, getting a, a tag for their keys or whatever. So you can actually contact the War Amps and order your own key tag, or anyone can, uh, by going to uh, waramps.ca, and there's a key tag uh, service area there. Um, or you can go to 
one eight or you can call one eight hundred two fifty thirty thirty and you can uh, ask someone there how to order your key tags. Um, and again, the key tags will come. Uh, every year in the springtime and they're mailed by postal code so when you receive them and attach them to your keys uh, it really does help uh, and it acts as a safeguard um, in case you ever lose them. Uh, when people find value in this service uh, they choose to donate to the War Amps and that's really how we're able to fund all of our programs for amputees across Canada. So um, again these servicemen uh, they really wanted to continue you know, working. They really want to continue to give back to Canada, but it also helped to generate funds for the association, and it continues to do that today. Terrific. So then, what uh, what program uh, came uh, uh, next after the uh, the uh, key tag program? The Warriors, um when they realized that many of their needs had been met, you know, they had really talked to the, talked to the government, and made sure that all their needs were met there. Um, they realized that uh, that there were a lot of children and civilian amputees who also need to be assisted, uh, and so they started the the WAMP started the WAMP Champ program, and that's really where Rachel and I come in. Uh-huh. Um, the CHAMP program for child amputees um, encourages uh, child amputees to develop uh, the winter circle philosophy, which again is um, a positive approach to living with uh, amputation and a positive approach to challenges uh, that, uh, that as amputees we face every single day. Um, and, uh, you know, I was bo- when I was born, um, the War Amps CHAMP program contacted myself and asked uh, my parents or contact my parents and asked if they wanted help raising their amputee child. And from the very beginning, I've been part of this wonderful organization, learning from war amputee members um, and learning from the war amps uh, on how to really, you know, have that positive approach and, and to really be able to accomplish anything that I put my mind to as an amputee. Wonderful. That's great. Now, um, can people get assistance from the champs? program even as adults or is it mostly for children so we also have an adult amputee program as well so we also assist adult amputees as well so it's just they're just two different programs um so we we assist all amputees across canada we also uh continue to assist uh war amputee veterans uh as well as uh as as those who are um still enlisted so uh we've been able to help um help these uh, members by staying in touch with the Department of National Defense and Veterans Affairs Canada and help to advise them on uh, on any issues regarding amputation or artificial limbs because we have 100 years of experience in amputation and artificial limbs. So we're, we've really been able to, to help along uh, that way and to continue to help war amputee veterans. Is that uh, what uh, you refer to in your literature as the Operation Legacy? Well, in, well, Operation Legacy is actually our connection to that history and, and to our war amputee veterans. Um, both Rachel and I work uh, uh, quite a bit in Operation Legacy, and especially this week. Um, you know, we're very busy attending yeah. ceremonies and, and representing the association in many places. Um, but Operation Legacy is is, uh, is a way for our child amputees in the CHAMP program to really connect with our history and to really thank those war amputee veterans who started the association. You know, um, Rachel and I have grown up throughout the program and, and I myself can't imagine my life without the war amps. 
And I can't imagine my life without other amputees either. And so uh, that's really what the War Amps has given to me uh, alongside, you know, artificial limbs and things like that as well. But, um, but you know, the War Amps who started the association and who started the CHAMP program, we really want to be able to remember those people and their comrades and, and remember the sacrifices that they made to give us what we have today. And, and, uh, and that's how we're able to do that is through Operation Legacy. That's great. And, uh, I, I, Jamie, I think that um, in uh, an email that I received, uh, it said that, uh, that you had um, actually laid a wreath here in uh, Peterborough at one of the Remembrance Day ceremonies. Do you still do that? That's actually Rachel. Rachel, would you like to Oh, Rachel, I'm that? sorry. That's okay, not a problem. I've been laying a wreath for the uh, for Peterborough in the Peterborough uh, County for as long as I can remember, really. I don't want to say years exactly because it was when I was really young. My mom started to take me when I was yet little um, before I really understood the whole idea of what I was doing. And I kind of grew into it and I grew to learn a lot about the war amps and a lot about military heritage in general. When I was younger, I also participated in events. Um, on behalf of the War Amps, where I held a booth at the, the Peterborough Armories um, about the War Amps, and there, again, I was able to teach some other people and a lot of schools, so a lot of the youth that came in, my peers, um, different things about the war and about uh, what the War Amps did um, and the different roles that they have to play in connection to military heritage, but... Uh, I will be also laying a wreath again this year uh, on Remembrance Day. I will be home in Peterborough to do that, which I'm looking forward to, as it's a tradition for myself. But it's also something that I hold very close to my heart because I would say that the only reason I know as much as I do about military heritage is because of the war amps. And I can relate it to my sisters who are um, just a few years older than me, so we're all kind of young still, and, and they don't know as much as I do. And I look on it a little bit of a bigger scale, and I realize that my generation, I'm 20 years old, my generation has very little understanding um, on the broad spectrum of, of Remembrance Day, what it means, and kind of what, what, do you, what do you do in that moment of silence, how to say thank you, and so I'm really looking forward to coming back to Peterborough to, to be able to continue that tradition for myself to lay that wreath and, and have um, be able to, to embrace the spirit of remembrance um, back in Peterborough, my hometown. That's great, and uh, that's that's wonderful. And um, how about you, Jamie? Are you going to be able to make it back to Norwood? Uh, no, I, I will be laying a wreath uh, this year, as I do many many uh, past years here in Ottawa at the National Military Cemetery um, in amongst many graves of those who have served and passed and those who have who passed away whilst serving as well. Um, so I continue to lay a wreath there. Uh, but when I was at home in Norwood, I, uh, I did, you know, go to the cenotaph. I did lay wreaths. I, I was very much involved in, in remembrance there at home. Uh, but, uh, but I have been here for quite some time, and, and, uh, and it is a, a privilege to be able to lay a wreath at the National Military Cemetery at Beechwood. Oh, good. Yeah, that's great. And now, I also wanted to touch a little bit on the Play Safe program. That's still quite active, too, isn't it? Um, the PlaySafe is a program that I was involved with as well as a youth, and you are involved with growing up through the War Amps program. The PlaySafe program is a kids-to-kids kids, kids approach um, 
essentially on how to play safe, exactly what it says, because we have have a lot of children who have enrolled in the program due to accidents that could have been prevented, let's say lawnmower or car accident or train accidents, Mm -hmm. and a lot of those things um, were were able to be prevented uh, if only maybe there was enough uh, information regarding how serious those situations can be, how serious it is to to stay safe and to not play near train tracks and things like that. So that program, uh, yes, absolutely still is running. Um, and there's a lot of things that go on for that program. We do different parades all across Canada. Um, there is a play safe float. I've rid on the one in Oshawa before. Um, and again, it's just raising awareness for especially other youth to, to be careful and to play safe around anything that could be deemed dangerous whatsoever. Spot the danger. Exactly. Spot the danger before you play. Yes. Yeah. Are there other programs that WARAMPS offers that you might want to touch on? Sure. Um, one that holds a special place in, in my heart um, is a program called Matching Mothers. Um, and Matching Mothers is a program for families to be connected, for, for fathers too, um, to be connected with other parents and other families who have gone through what you're going through. So the day that I was born, um, my mom called the War Amps and I was connected right away to the War Amps and, and enrolled in the CHAMP program. And about two months later, I actually met, as an infant, I met Jamie sitting here beside me. And Jamie was who I was matched with. Um, when I was two months old. So my mom and her mom were able to get together and um, they were able to speak about things that my mom was worried about, having an infant amputee not knowing what was going to happen. And uh, Jamie was a living experience. She was maybe 12 at the time. Um, and my mom was able to see that I was going to grow up to be okay and that anything that was going to come my mom's way or my way, there are people who have been there who have already dealt with it who have already gone through it and are able to provide um, advice and support, peer support for for mothers and dads and siblings and families in general. That is cool. So you've been lifelong friends. Exactly, yep. As- it is, uh, it's quite amazing, you know, to be able to, um, to have that support when uh, you're the less experienced amputee and then to also even mentor a, a young amputee, you know, yourself. Um, being able to, to watch Rachel grow up into the person that she is has been quite amazing. And now I have the privilege of working with her every single day, and that, again, is, is amazing. And, and that's, again, something that the Warriors has given us that we, uh, you know, we would never have had if it weren't for this association. We would never be the people that we are today if we didn't have the War Amps and we didn't have those War Amputee veterans that started the program and also teach us how to live positive lives as amputees. That's wonderful. Uh, So um, people maybe who have lost limbs in Afghanistan or uh, Croatia or the more modern uh, conflicts are uh, are still a part of uh, war amps, are they? They really are, yes. Yeah. And we're here to help them and to assist them. And as I mentioned before, we have uh, we have a really great line of communication with the Department of National Defense to make sure that that these amputees, these modern day 
for amputees who have lost limbs very recently, um, we have, we make sure that they have all of the information that they need and that they have all the support that they need and the knowledge that they need. Um, the government is there to help them to um, pay for all of the limbs that they need and the support that they need. Um, but again, we're the experts on exactly what they need, so we're able to, to let them know. Yeah. Now, my co-host here, Bob, has been very quiet, uh, and uh, I'm wondering if I've taken all of the time there, Bob, and do you have any questions? I have a question. Is They also have the return address labels at Christmas time from the yes, WAF. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. So um, we send out these return address labels as a thank you uh, every fall season. Um, and there are actually many different designs that you can order. If you do uh, prefer some that aren't holiday themed, uh, you can always let us know which ones that you prefer. But yes, we send them out and, and we, uh, we hope that they are, uh, that, uh, that many people enjoy them as much as we do. And I think they're very useful when it comes to, you know, holiday um, things, holiday cards, or even, you know, if you have books. Um, or anything else that you're uh, that you're lending out, um, but uh, but yeah, they're they're really great as well. Saves you from going to a print shop. Definitely <laughs> does. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, we certainly hope that uh, people will think of uh, WarAmps uh, and the organization uh, while they're remembering the uh, veterans who made uh, so many sacrifices during the war years. And um, how can, can you repeat again, uh, one of you, how uh, people can contact uh, War Imps? Sure. You can do so by giving us a call at 1-800-250-3030. So 1-800-250-3030 or at waramps.ca, and those are both the places you can get your key tags as well. Terrific. Is there anything that uh, you wanted to add that we haven't asked you about? I do want to say thank you so much to all the donors who do donate to the War Amps. Uh, without your support of our programs, there would be no way that we'd be able to uh, help as many amputees as we do across the country. Um, so thank you to every single person uh, who finds what we do valuable um, and, and donates to us. Well, thanks so much for chatting with us, both of you, and sharing your histories and, and the history of uh, War Amps as well. We really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. All right. I'm sure we'll be in touch again uh, down through the years and that sort of thing. <laughs> Definitely. Take good care. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. I think that was a great uh, interview, uh, Devin, and I learned a lot about uh, what the war amps are uh, doing and helping so many people and also... When we think of the uh, number of people that are in our hobby, because it doesn't matter whether you have any kind of handicap on amateur radio, which is our hobby, who knows, unless you actually tell them. That's true. Yeah, very true. And there are a lot of uh, people with disabilities involved in ham radio. We'll have to chat more about that one of these days, Bob. That's a good idea. A very good <laughs> idea indeed. Yeah.
In the meantime, another thing that is happening in November, and I mentioned earlier that the uh, Canadian Council of the Blind, or CCB, um, is uh, having a, a fundraiser. We had a wonderful fundraiser in October with the Harmonious Hauntings. And uh, so to talk about that and also the Poinsettia fundraiser, and I think this is our third or fourth year doing that, we have Leslie Yee, who is the chair I said president earlier, Leslie, (laughs) of the uh, Peterborough chapter of the CCB, and she also has her guide dog, Akira, with her. Hi, Leslie. How are you? Good. Hi, Devin. Hi, Bob. Hi there. So how did uh, Harmonious Hauntings uh, go? It did really well. We reached our fundraising goal, and we had a wonderful response to the event itself. Um, in our ticket sales, from the community for donations for the raffles. And uh, we also received some really nice feedback afterwards um, from the people that that um, participated and came out how much they enjoyed it. So we were really happy to, to hear that as well. Yeah, that's great. <clears throat> Good. And uh, now we're doing a, a poinsettia fundraiser uh, You know, I tried to find a piece of music uh, to do with poinsettias, and a friend of mine found one called called Percy the Puny Poinsettia. And uh, I didn't get... uh, She said to me, well, even if you can't download it uh, to put it on your USB drive, why don't you... um, uh, write out the words and uh, read them, and I and I should have done that, but uh, it was talking about that if the uh, uh, if the soil in the poinsettia had been wetter, uh, then uh, Percy's health uh, might have been better, you know. <laughs> That sort of thing. I can't believe you even found a, a song about a poinsettia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'll have to get you to tell us um, all about uh, the fundraiser and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, sure. So uh, we this is our fourth year doing our poinsettia ah. fundraiser, and we buy our plants from Wreckers Gardens. They have beautiful, healthy plants. They're not puny poinsettias like the song. <laughs> Uh, they're very healthy. They're large plants. And we're selling four different kinds this year. We have a six-inch poinsettia, an eight-inch poinsettia, and then we have two uh, more arrangements that uh, have a poinsettia and foliage in it with different types of pots in two different prices. So they also come in a variety of colors. So we have the red, pink, white, and a tricolored in the eight-inch poinsettia, and the red, pink, and white are in the both the six and the eight-inch color. So you can get uh, a different color of poinsettia to try it out, or you can uh, just get one of the planters, which also make a great centerpiece as well. How soon uh, should these be ordered in order to have them for Christmas? Yeah, so we're taking all of the orders on no- by or on November 14th, and then the flowers or the plants will be delivered on November 27th. So we'll be able to get them to you either on the 27th or the 28th of November. That's very good. Yeah, yeah. So no matter everyone which, them. Uh, variety or type they would like, is that correct? That's right, yeah. Yeah, it's good. 
And what kind of uh, programs does CCB Peterborough offer that um, fundraising like uh, fundraisers like this um, go to fund? Yeah, so with CCB, we do a lot of different activities. One of them is our blind curling, which we do with in conjunction with the Peterborough, excuse me, we do in conjunction with the Golf and Country Club on Armour Road. And the blind curling is great. It's a learn to curl for anybody with low vision to no vision who would like to come out and try it. We've been doing that now for four years as well at two years in conjunction that CCB has been supporting and sponsoring. And the other, uh, the other two years were done by one of our members who had started it up on her own. And since then CCB has, has taken it over for her and it's a great way to learn to curl. So it's a lot of fun. We also do outings, excuse me, or picnics, for example, in the summer, or um, we go to Liflock Cruises, for example, different Mm -hmm. things like that, that whatever our members would like to do. We also have a couple programs, one being this show, thanks to you, (laughs) Devin, Insight Peterborough, and the other one is called From the Blind, For the Blind. So what that is, it's a lending library of visual aids. So many of us have different visual aids at home that we're not using anymore just because we outgrow them or we find they're not working for us anymore. Everything costs a lot of money. And what do we do with it, right? It just sits in a drawer somewhere. So we're collecting whatever we can from anybody that might have something. And then we'll redistribute it to people that could use it. And it's no cost, no cost to anybody to receive this. You don't have to be part of CCB to receive this. You just need to have some form of low vision. And uh, we're just more than happy to help and be able to change those, the lives of people that way. And are those uh, articles given out on a permanent loan basis? It can be permanent or it can be on whatever is needed by the person that, that needs the item. So mm-hmm. we have had it where some people took items and they used them for a little while and found out they didn't work for them very well. So they gave them back to us so we could loan them out to someone else. Uh, we also have had some people who had, for example, a four times magnifier that wasn't working anymore. So they gave us that magnifier and we had a stronger one that they could take and use. So it's just that perfect type of lending library of items that, that works really well. They've gone through a lot of different uh, ideas for regular uh, books for the blind as well from their library, different means of doing that. Yes, yes. So the audiobooks, we've actually had collection of audiobooks sent in as well um, that people can use. I mean, some people still have their, you know, CDs that they can play an audiobook on or DVDs and other people download them. So we have received a lot of uh, CDs with audiobooks and they still go out quite a bit too because not everybody is wants to download they're not comfortable downloading or not familiar enough with the technology to download. So they're still using CDs. So, yeah, we have a lot of, uh, a what, lot of books that way, too. What I have uh, found out mm-hmm. is a lot of times those audio books or the books for the blind are actually read by the author. Yes, yes, I know. And it's so nice when it's written by the author. I find it's more uh, emotional in some cases, you know, because the the author knows exactly what he's writing about and the sentiment he's trying to portray. So, yeah, I think it's really neat when it's read by the author. 
I think also that um, schools that uh, need uh, textbooks or uh, some kind of information for uh, schools, that that is also provided? I'm not as familiar with the schools being able to... Pro- I know that they get audiobooks and download a lot of audiobooks for children, but I, I don't know I I don't know firsthand about them supplying them with um, textbooks and things like that on audio. Not to say it doesn't happen, I just I'm not familiar with it. I yeah. think that uh, it's, having been uh, a guest at the CNIB and given the tour, that that was... One of the things that they were doing it's at possible. the CNIB in Toronto. Yeah, it? it's possible. They do do a lot of audio stuff there, for sure. Now, that uh, brings me to a point which I, I maybe should have we should have started with. There is a difference, is there not, between CNIB and CCB? Yes, there is. So they're both completely two different organizations. Both are not-for-profits. The CNIB, they are. They now have two sections. They have a foundation side and they have their rehabilitation side. The rehabilitation side is now through the um, through government funding, so it goes through your health system using your health card, and your doctor can then directly. What's the right word I'm looking for? Uh, refer you. Refer. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Refer you to um, the CNIB rehabilitation. And that gives you um, independent living skills. It gives you learning how to use a white cane, um, some guidance into guide dogs. And I mean guidance as far as maybe helping filling out paperwork. And the mobility instructor does need to do some paperwork for you for applying for guide dogs, things like that. So they're, they're really good for that. The foundation side deals a little bit more with uh, activities, peer support, um, social things, uh, that side of it. And the foundation side is run by donations as well, strictly donations. They're not funded at all by the government. Now, Canadian Council of the Blind, uh, we are completely uh, reliant on donations and fundraising ourselves. Each chapter in each city is independently run by its own members. So it's not like our national office tells us what we need to do in our city or what activities we need to participate in. Our own members, actually, we decide what we want to do and what, how we want to participate and how we want to represent CCB in a sense. So uh, we can actually manage our own chapter, which is really nice because we do what our members would like to do. If our members just want to sit around and have coffee for uh, a chit chat, that's what we do. If our members would like to go to blind curling or if they want to try shuffleboard then we go do shuffleboard so it's whatever we would like to do so the ccb is more about the social active side of being having vision loss getting you out of your house and meeting together with other people that have vision loss and through that um, getting together with people and sharing knowledge with each other who better to learn from how to do something from another person that has vision loss now they understand the most we could share our own tips and tricks. I've learned more from, like, you, Devin, you know, <laughs> over the years um, than I have with, not to say anything bad about the CNIB, but I, the CNIB, often the people teaching you all have sight. Yes. And although right. they're very good and they, they're 
they they try very hard and they do want to make a difference. It's still not the same as talking to somebody that has no sight or low vision yeah. and to learn from them. So that's more of what CCB is about. It's completely governed and run by persons with vision loss. So, And we also do some advocacy with CCB as well um, within our own community on vision loss. So whether it's going to city council and representing persons with vision loss when needed or being on some subcommittees when it's needed, um, we can definitely participate in that too and... And uh, help spread the word. <laughs> you know, uh, when you mentioned that, uh, both uh, Devin and I know someone very close at hand who even comes to Trent Radio every once in a while. That's John, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who loves to get out with uh, the country music jabs and sing all the George Jones songs. <laughs> yeah. Sing. Absolutely. Enjoys it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So there's so many things that that persons with vision loss, we can do everything that everyone else can do. We just do it a little bit differently. Yeah. But there, there's really, there's no, there, there doesn't necessarily need to be a change in our lifestyle. And we, nor does society need to necessarily change for us. There's always adoption for things, but adoption can be mutual. So, you know, I, I think it's just a, a great way of, of what I like about CCB. It's, the peer support is with other persons with vision loss, and we're we're sharing our knowledge, we're sharing our tips and tricks and expertise, but we're also getting people out of their houses and out into the community and being a part of the community, which is really what we all just want to be. Do you find uh, transportation might be a problem in these cases? Maybe? Transportation is I'm going to say is always a problem regardless. <laughs> um, we do have our city buses, of course. We do have the handy van. Taxis are very expensive, and most people can't afford to take taxis everywhere, you know, just because of the cost. Mm-hmm. So I know public transportation, if you're comfortable using it, does get you around quite well. I do use public transportation all the time myself, or I walk. Akira and I walk a lot. So Did you have, uh, say, volunteer drivers sometimes? Sometimes we do, yes, when we need to go outside of the city or to Campbellford, when we went to Campbellford yeah. last uh, April, was it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that was, was such fun. It was. And yeah. we hit a lot of places that we wouldn't normally be able to get to, especially outside of Peterborough. You know, you can't hop on a bus and go there. No. So we were able to, we did have about four or five drivers, I think, didn't we? Yeah, we did, yeah. yeah and we loaded up the cars and off we went <laughs> and dogs Convoy. and everything. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And yeah. It, it was great. We we had a blast. Oh, actually. we sure did. We need to do that again. I think. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'll be good. Yeah. So um, we talk about White Cane Week every year, which is uh, uh, an awareness about uh, blindness and low vision and that sort of thing. And it is the CCB that runs that, isn't it? Yes, that's right. So the mm-hmm. first week, every February for the first week is our White Cane Week. And we'll be again this year. And we will be out into the community at different places just to setting up a table. And it's really for awareness and passing out flyers and pens and different things that we have just to let people know that we're, we're here, we're in Peterborough, and we're always looking for more people with vision loss that would like to come and join our group. Would that include, uh, say, a Lansdowne Place or any of the malls that we know of? Um, we definitely do Peterborough Square. 
Um, we have done Lansdowne Place in the past. I'm not sure this year what we're exactly doing, but more than likely we will do Peterborough Square once or twice. I've even seen uh, the lions at uh, the odd Walmart. Oh, yeah. uh, You know, an information booth or table. Yeah, they may be talking about their... uh, the uh, guide dog school that they sponsor mm-hmm. in uh, Oakville. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they they may be doing that. Um, uh, so now, uh, people that uh, if there's someone out there listening to this, um, and they're thinking, well, my vision is is getting poorer than it, it used to be, and uh, I'm feeling a little isolated. Mm-hmm. Um, is there uh, a way of contacting our chapter? Yeah. So mm-hmm. if you have email or access to email, you can email us at ccbpeterborough at com. And we do have a 1-800 number to our national office. And I apologize, Devin, I don't have it in front of me. Oh, gosh, I don't either. <laughs> I know. I will have to give it to you so you can maybe post that on another show. Yeah, but okay. But definitely yeah. email comes directly to myself, and I would be happy to answer. We also have our website, which is uh, ccbpeterborough.com. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I had to think about that one. So ccbpeterborough.com. And uh, on our website, we do a calendar of events. We have pictures showing um, events that we were at and uh, all of our members participating. Uh, we also do have some uh, networking and uh, different organizations that have helped us over the years posted on our website too. So it's a fun website to kind of go through and see what we're all about. All of our numbers and uh, emails are on there as well. About how many uh, people on average are you uh, working with, uh, shall we say, monthly? Well, right now our chapter has about 29 members and volunteers. And we three and a half years ago we started off with four. So we've grown quite well in three and a half years. Yeah. But we would really like to grow that number even more. There's a lot of people out there with vision loss who... Um, haven't yet made that step to come join us, but we would really like to have them. And I want to say too, Devin, when you're working with the CCB in order to get help from them, you need to be, you can get help with just low vision, but you can, you get more help if your class is legally blind. That's how you get a lot of financial help for tools. what percentage of eyesight would that be? So if you're 2200 and both eyes corrected, that makes you legally blind. So anything over that, you're just classed as low vision. So 2020 we know is perfect vision. So 2020 to 2199 would be classed as low vision. So 2200 and greater then would be classed as legally blind. So with CCB, you don't have to be legally blind. You can just have low vision and be struggling with low vision. And uh, you can join our group and get lots of have fun yeah <laughs> get yeah. out we, oh yeah yeah just yeah. just learn ways of coping coping mechanisms are great and mm-hmm. best shared so just uh just and coming up meeting people one another i mean it's always great uh one will we have found out anyways in our hobby 
one sort of pushes the other. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's always people that have a familiar circumstance, you know, like you, a lot of times we're thinking, oh, I'm the only one struggling with something. But then you start talking to people and you realize there are a lot of people struggling with That's it too. Right. And yeah. some people have mastered it. So, yeah. So yeah. we'll learn from them. Yeah. So, you know, if there's anyone out there that uh, thinks, uh, gee whiz, uh, I, w- I wish that... Uh, I could uh, find uh, an uh, alarm clock that had bigger numbers or I wish that mm-hmm. I could try out some magnifying glasses or or whatever. Uh, all you have to do is call us or email us would be the best thing. Yeah. Um, and, and we do have a list on our website of all the items that we currently have in the lending library as well. So you can go on there and see kind of what things we do have. So these would be audio books, more or less, or tapes? No, a lot of magnifiers, uh, right. special lights to help give you better lighting for reading, let's say. Um, there's a lot of uh, little items um, uh, we did have a Victor streamer for uh, a couple Victor streamers, actually. We Stream. had some, yeah, yeah uh, some CCTVs that I know have some have gone out, but our list is constantly getting updated. As things go out, we take it off, and then as we get things in, we update it as well. So there's a list there, and, and maybe if you're thinking about getting something and we have it in the lending library and you just want to try it out first before investing the money into it, it's even a great way to just experience it. So see if it works for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, the website again is uh, CCB Peterborough. Yes, ccbpeterborough.com or uh, the email is ccbpeterborough at gmail.com. And what if there's anybody out there who would like to get their hands on one of our poinsettias? Yeah, so if you would like to email me your interest, and then I would be happy to email you back or send me your phone number, and I'll be happy to call you back. And then I can talk to you about how we can make that order happen. Or if you see one of us on the street and you know who we are, um, just approach us and uh, we'll make sure that you uh, get a, a chance to look at the uh, poinsettias and to purchase. Yes, we do have the pictures on our order form, so uh, we'd be happy to show them to you. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, thanks, uh, Leslie. Uh, and that's only till November the 14th, folks. So that's right. you'll have to... Um, uh, uh, make it uh, fairly snappy. Well, you have ten days, right? That's right. To um, to pick up um, um, to order a poinsettia, and they'll be delivered on uh, November twenty seventh or twenty eighth. That's correct. So wonderful. Great. Thank, Thank you. you, Leslie. For, Thank you uh, for joining. What's that? Sorry, Bob. I just wanted to thank Leslie. Myself. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Thank yeah. you both for having me. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're coming uh, up uh, pretty much to the end of our program. We are. Program. About a minute. Yes. So uh, we should maybe uh, put on a... Um, we got some uh, IDs here that maybe we could end off with, but you just about would do it, really, for us. All right. Okay. Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next week. Until then, have a good week. Take care, everybody. Bye for now.